Can you believe it? Four weeks since the last Grand Prix and we are back. This is F1 Track This with myself, Curry Gangia. And I am so excited, so excited that we are going to Azerbaijan this weekend. Probably one of my favorite races of the season. And to get into all the nitty gritty details, I have our F1 Track This team. Avon Middleton, a familiar voice. He's the publisher and director of Top Gear magazine and a motorsport analyst. And just an all round nice guy. Avon Middleton, how's it going? I feel like this should be some applause there. Thank you, Claire. That's great. <laughs> that was a great intro. I'll put it in in post. Uh, Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> Doing well. Uh, missed Formula One. It's been quite a while, so really happy to get back on track. And um, yeah, looking forward to, I suppose, this next phase of the season. I think we can happily say the first quarter is out or the first phase is out and uh, really happy to get into this next phase. Have you had a nice breather? Because now that we get into it, we literally have five races in six weeks. Do you know what? I wouldn't call it a nice breather because essentially when there's no racing, that means I don't get to do this. I don't get to chat Formula One on radio. I don't get to write about it. So it's not been nice. I quite, I quite enjoy watching racing and chatting about it and writing about it. So yeah, that's what I say. Happy to get back. Let's, uh, let's race and... Um, this is what we do. All right. Now, another voice that you probably will recognize, and I'm so glad that we can have him on the as a guest on F1 Track This, and that's Prince Nduini. Now, he started as a mechanic for uh, local and national karting championships and has become one of the leading voices in South African commentary on analyzing motorsport. Prince, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. It's so great to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast. I've seen many dope faces, so it's really nice to actually be here and be on the other side of the mic. Um, thanks for having me, Claire. It's so good. Prince is also um, a commentator with me on the South African Endurance Series, which we're prepping for this weekend uh, at uh, Red Star Raceway. It is the second round. So super exciting. SAGT, SAE happening at Red Star Raceway this weekend. If you're listening and you're in the area, come out. Entrance is free. And that is the last plug I'm going to give for SA Endurance Series today. <laughs> All right, let's talk Formula oh, One, guys. Now, you know I love finding all of these. Let's talk Formula One. You know I love finding all of these random stories that um, are in the depths of the internet. Uh, Prince, let's start with you on this one. Lewis Hamilton becoming our next international astronaut. He plans on going to space with Elon Musk. You know, it's clear. when I saw this, I thought he, he's, this is totally his brand. But I think he skipped a couple of steps. I think before this, he might have started trying to be a president or, or I don't know if is prime minister of the UK or something like that. Because Lewis Hamilton does everything. It's like, geez, he's all over. And I'm, I'm honestly not surprised to see this kind of crossover. And if it actually happens, if he actually pulls this off, he'd probably cement himself <laughs> far beyond the world of Formula One, which undoubtedly, undoubtedly is already done. But now this, I don't know, after this, the, 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 the sky's the limit for him. I don't see him actually stopping <laughs> at Formula One once he's done. He's probably going to be, I don't know, in the UN. He's going to be a world president <laughs> if, if, if the concept exists. He's, he has no limits. And all, all while wearing the coolest looking clothing, it's, it's all up Lewis, Lewis Hamilton's area. There's really no surprise here. I'd be more surprised to see Max Verstappen or like Charlotte Clerk here. This, <laughs> this is right up Lewis's alley. But I absolutely wasn't I shocked feel, at all. I feel like all he has to do now, Avon, is marry a Kardashian and then he's sorted. <laughs> Look, <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's, I think he's way past that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, to me, this is just um, this is just PR, and you know, Lewis does do everything. He's he's incredibly gifted at doing everything else other than Formula One when he's not in the Formula One car, and I think that's great for him. But um, you know, come on, we've 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 seen many people go to space. It's not really yeah. space. Um, look, he could he could do it, and he probably will do it, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it's certainly nothing groundbreaking anymore, and it costs some money. Probably Elon's going to fit that bill, and you know, we'll we'll read about Lewis in space. But uh, you know, there's <laughs> been cars in space. Richard Branson's gone sort of to space. Yeah. To me, this is just <laughs> it's PR, and it should be in People magazine and not on this podcast. So let's <laughs> You know what? We've seen we've seen Lewis do everything. We just haven't seen him get the world record yet. And it's not probably going to happen this season either. Exactly. And it's not going to happen in space either. So, you know, <laughs> just focus. Okay. Focus. Let's go back. I know you guys have to claw back into the memory to get back to Australia. But let's talk about a couple of key points that were there. And I want to stay with Mercedes on this one because we've given them a lot of flack over the last two seasons. Um, and I think watching that race... Prince, those Mercedes were really pushing and really on fire. Um, and it's something that we haven't seen in the last two seasons from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it, it comes also in, in at the right point, especially because of how horrible 2022 was. If in the first quarter or so, first three races of the Formula One season, you have the kind of pace they were showing not only in quality, but in the race as well, it bodes really well for them. Um, the fact that before George Russell's uh, yellow uh, sorry, yellow flag and safety car stuff up, it eventually became a red flag, and then he just lost position. He and Lewis Hamilton were effectively jostling for the lead, however long that was going to last, because Red Bulls were were out on their tail. Mm. But I think it, it definitely bodes well for them, <laughs> given just how much criticism there is around the car as well. I mean, W14 was thought to be just W13 in a slightly fresher paint and newer outfit, but it seems like the car has inherent pace in it it's, it's not earth earth shattering or groundbreaking but there's something to work with um whether or not this translates into other tracks is another thing altogether and whether or not um it's going to be a, a dynamic car i mean if you look at australia for example they're using harder compounds and typically mercedes likes a harder compound what happens at circuits like maybe baku for example where Pirelli's get, uh, gone a step softer with the compounds. Is is the car going to be, be able to respond to that, among other factors? But it's, it's overall, it's just great to see them up there with a shout for podium positions. So I have two comments on this one, Avon. Firstly, did Merck make, okay, we all know they made a stuff up, but was it a stuff up that they could avoid or could have avoided by just assessing the situation a little bit better and not bringing in George on the yellow flag and kind of understanding that there is a red flag that's going to come from this incident? So the short answer is no, you, we can't call it a stuff-up at all. Um, nobody has the data to say that, you know, Alex Albon's going to run off the track, you know, a few laps later. I, I think that's a little bit unfair. And I, I think it was the right call, actually. It's just a call that ultimately resulted in you know, they just couldn't foresee a red flag. And 
ultimately negating the smart move that they had made by bringing George in to 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 switch to those hards. So no, I don't I don't think it was a mistake at all. I think it was just simply bad luck. And you know what? This is Formula One. It happens. It's happened before. Mm-hmm. It's happened when George is on the receiving end of the of the good of it. And this time, unfortunately, he was the guy that lost out. And and that's just Formula One. You make a call, and you and you you know to to put a car under under um to put your car under safety car conditions is very common and normal. And yeah. It's a good thing. But, um, yeah, no one could no one could predict that Alex was going to have a have an incident, and certainly not then. I think it would have been normal to understand that there may be another safety car or another red flag in the future, because it is Australia. But as to when and how and where, nobody could predict that. So I think it was just bad luck. Okay, now that um, Mercedes has had the four weeks, it's not a a typical break like we would do mid-season break where, you know, teams shut down and and take a breather. Um, In these four weeks, teams have still had the opportunity to do dev work, to, you know, work on the cars, work on the performance. Evan, this is going to be great for Mercedes. I mean, they're going to bring some great updates to Baku. We hope. Yeah. You know, we'll know know what happens in a few days' time. Uh, Toto Wolf has said there are going to be a few updates, but he's also come in and said it's not going to be groundbreaking. Um, He says it's very small components, you know, one bite at a time to sort of dumb it down. Um, But I think a lot of teams are going to bring a few updates um, and also – conditions are going to be slightly different in Baku. And I think there's going to be a little bit of experimentation going on. I know that Alpine, Alpine has come out and said that they've got some updates to their front wing. Um, Mercedes has come out, haven't really said what updates they've brought, but they seem to be happy with where they're going with the car. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I think we'll probably start getting some news on that from tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I think this weekend will be almost a nice ground to assess where teams are what kind of progress they've made but i think there'll be a few updates and a few changes from quite a few teams it's only williams i was reading something from james Valls saying he's quite happy with where the car is Mm -hmm. and they're going to take a slightly slower approach to uh development and of course they've got you know they've got i think some budget concerns so i don't think they can even if they even if they wanted to develop at the rate of a slightly bigger team, I think he's taking a much longer view. And you know what? Maybe good thing, because uh, clearly mm. that Williams is a much, much better car than it was before. And I think with James Valves at the helm, uh, I think that's a good thing for their future. But, yeah, we'll see this weekend. I, You know what? It's, it's Baku, and we'll talk about it later. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, long straights are going to favor one particular car, which we all know what that car is. <laughs> and yeah, the rest will be behind. That's my theory anyway. So we'll see. All right. I have one more question before we move on to all the developments that are happening uh, with Baku and the changes to the formats, et cetera. Um, and Prince, I think Alonso's had a great season so far. I know we're only three races in, but he kind of lucked out a little bit. Um, when they were doing the last red flag, obviously it was uh, a standing start and he had a little bit of contact spun out but because the full lap wasn't completed when they did the restart again behind the safety car um, he went back to his previous position or his position that they started the the last um, start in which was great for him he managed to still come away with a podium which I know Alonso fans around the world are overly ecstatic about. No absolutely I think more than anything 
I'm very happy for Alonso fans because it's been, have you seen that meme? It's been 84 years. It def- it's definitely been 84 years with Fernando Alonso. And I think the, the fruits of his patience is paying off now with Aston Martin. Um, he's, it, I think it's, it's only onward and upward from here for Aston Martin. Um, unless they're unable to overcome the inherent challenges that the car has, which at the moment is high drag. I think there's only there's only a whole lot of potential podium positions for him. His qualifying ability obviously unquestioned. He's a world he's a two-time world champion. You really don't need to relist his accolades at this point in his career. And it's just dovetailing very well with the way Aston Martin are, are working on their project. Um I think every everything is just coming together. I mean, I also saw some rumors uh, in the build-up to this race that Aston Martin are looking to, you know, be their own manufacturer of a power unit and potentially powering uh, partnering up with Honda, if there's any uh, truth to that, it, again, it just proves why his confidence level, uh, Fernando Alonso in particular, I'd say more than Lance Stroll, his confidence level will be through the roof at that point because he knows he's got a potential championship contending team for the next couple of years. But in the, the sort of short term period, he's got a podium challenger. Whether or not that turns to race wins, I'll go back to my point about the high drag quality that this car seems to have and that they have to deal with and the next hurdle right in front of them is Baku given the sort of tricky balance you have to find between drag and downforce otherwise it's just going to be very much smooth sailing comparatively of course I mean last year he was pretty much in the middle of nowhere and very much in the middle of a villain story <laughs> around Oscar Piastri and McLaren but <laughs> I think he's, he's definitely in a very good position for the rest of the year no question about that. We're all mission 33 here at F1 Track This, right, Avon? Mission 33, he's going to win it. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> I love how you really feel, Avon. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I, no, I, I know I disagree with you a lot, but no, I, I'm, I'm behind it all the way. He's, um, he's, he's so good for Formula One. For, you know, he, despite his, you know, he's been through, he's been through some dark, patches in his career um and and i think sometimes he can be quite you know quite arrogant and quite pushy but but he's everything he does is about his fight to win and that's why we're here you know uh, he was so feisty at the end of that race in australia he was so upset he was he was emotional but what i what i loved about it is he was always thinking you know as soon as he was cra- um, as soon as carlos Sainz hit him he was already thinking of rules and regulations mm. and saying, guys, actually, this is not going to work. I need to be reinstated to my position, just like we did in Silverstone. Get onto the comms and talk to race directors about that. You know, that's Fernando. It's, 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 he's just so invested in the sport and in his outcome. And I think that's why we love him. So, yeah, I'm behind Mission 33. Um, For now. Yeah, all the way. No, no, no. <laughs> we we got to get it. We got to get it. All right, Avon, I want you to explain this to me because it took me two or three attempts to read through this just to understand exactly what's happening. And I know you'll break it down into the simplest of terms to any for anyone listening to this podcast. Sprint weekends have changed. There's an oh, update. I thought you were going to ask me to explain the end of that race in Australia. No, no one knows what happened at the end of that race. Just leave it. Race control, enough time. You and me both. It was absolute shambles. It was a shambles. Um, so I was just thinking, oh no, Korea, no, Korea, no. But look, 
maybe we should talk about it because I think yes. there's been a lot of um, controversy around it. And Prince, I'd love to hear you weigh in on it too. But, uh, you know, I think it's worrying when race control doesn't know what to do. Or, you know, the, I, I saw a, um, a graphic come up on the screens, you know, at the end of the race and essentially thought, shucks, these guys don't know what they're doing. You know, like, how, how long does it take to decide how we're going to end a race? This is this is this is crazy. Um, and I, ultimately, though, I, I actually think that they made the right calls. It took them heck of a long, but I think they made the right call. I know a lot of people have said, you know, was a safety car even necessary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think we have, you know, Formula One's into a new era where this kind of on-track safety is so much more. It's so much more sensitive, if I can call it that. And yeah. so I think it was the right call to, to stop the race. But I think where it all went pear-shaped is in that final restart where all the carnage happened is I think you've got to take, you've got to be much quicker in how you communicate what's happening and why you've made certain decisions. You know, and I think in Silverstone last year, they did that relatively well. And, and you kind of thought, well, you've said to President Silverstone, we know what should happen. Even I was sitting there going, guys, <laughs> you know, we let's just let's just finish this these these last two laps or lap, and let's put the positions back to where they should be. And some people will lose out, and some people won't. But it took them so so long, which which for me was just concerning. It just it made me worried about sort of you know race direction and race control. Um, but ultimately, I think they made the right call. But yeah, I don't know. Prince, what do you think? I think, yeah, you're absolutely spot on in terms of just the spotlight on safety at the moment in Formula One is is definitely something you can't ignore, given just how the past year has gone or the past two years, even with the kind of incidents we've seen. I mean, going as far as having one car over the other with the wheel on someone's helmet. But overall, I think there's a lot of pressure, particularly on the race directing with fear at the moment because you're coming out of 2022 in particular where you're sort of both river and bank you've got two race directors alternating every other race so the consistency is just staggered you just one step forward one step back type of thing at least when it comes to the sort of precedent and the expected decision making during the course of a season and the kinds of examples that you have to sort of refer to so for example if Niels Vittich only had eight or nine races to be the race director for last year. This year, he's got all 23. But the kind of scenario examples he has are only a third amount of the work that he comparatively has to do for the entire year. So I do understand if it does take time to make quick decisions, as we saw the kinds of delays we had with Australia and consulting with the team if there's a been a bit of an expansion in terms of how many people are working with race directing then it makes it that much more difficult because you're you're constantly looking for more and more references to make sure you don't make the wrong decision i was i was laughing to myself as we're waiting for a final decision and a verdict to be made as to how the race is going to end just how fia is pretty much writing every single final exam on the same day every possible test fia needed to pass um, might have popped up in that one grand tree First at the beginning of the race and at the end, more specifically towards the yeah, end. So I think it's in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he gambled on the wrong one. So um, I think it's it's just it, it's gonna be a momentum thing. I think it's going to improve 
because it is relatively new territory for him to have responsibility over a bigger chunk of the season as opposed to just a little portion. So I think it will improve because ultimately the right decisions were made in the end. So I think it's only upwards from him. To be honest, I don't think that it's going to get easier for them because we're going into Baku and Baku's infamous for crashes, safety cars, and it's a street circuit, which also makes life a whole lot more difficult. Yeah, Baku, Baku is always interesting and there's a lot going on. But I, yeah, I, I actually think Australia was possibly, it, it could have been worse or it, it possibly will be the worst of the two simply because of that old school nature of the circuit. Gravel was the big problem. Grass for Max Verstappen as well. You know, not, not that anything happened, but, you know, it's that old school circuit where if it does go wrong, it really, really goes wrong and it disrupts the whole race. Whereas I think in Baku, there's a lot of runoff. There's a lot of um, areas where they can recover cars quite quickly, et cetera, et cetera. So, but yeah, we'll see. On to Baku we go. <laughs> All right, Avon, whilst you are here, now that we're getting into it, explain all the changes because... I think there's a lot of people that are very like, what is now a sprint shootout and how are we doing qualifying? It's a lot of changes. It is. I, I hope I get this right. But okay. So so essentially, Formula One is introducing the sprint race uh, again. And this is the first of six for the season in Azerbaijan. So there's just a few rule changes and a few differences in terms of how it all gets laid out. So let's starting on Friday. Friday, we'll help. We'll have normal FP1. I say normal in inverted commas because it's not really normal anymore because it's essentially it's their first practice before they go straight into qualifying. So on Friday, we're going to have FP1 and then we're going to have qualifying as you and I know it. And that qualifying is going to determine the race for Sunday. Okay. Then Saturday is where I guess there's, there's a bit more. So Saturday is going to have what's going to be called a, uh, a sprint shootout, which essentially is qualifying for the sprint race before the sprint race itself. So Saturday is going to have sprint race qualifying and then sprint race. And then, of course, on Sunday, we're going to have the race as you and I know it. Other things to note, I think, in terms of the, the sprint shootout, which is the qualifying for the sprint race, is there's going to be some mandatory tires uh, in, in each of the sessions. The sessions are going to be shorter, I think. I think we're doing 12 minutes, 10 minutes, and 8 minutes. And yeah. I think it's medium tires for the first two qualifying sessions and softs for the last qualifying session. So everybody's going to be on, have to be on the same tire. There's no choice. And then I think just another thing to mention is just, you know, points will be allocated as per normal. But another thing to mention is just because of these sprint races, the teams have really pushed for slight leniency in terms of power units and parts. So I think they've allowed another engine and, and all the powertrain paraphernalia that goes with it. And I think the other thing to say is just in terms of penalties, um, yeah, basically penalties that you incur in the sprint race as much as possible will be uh, dished out in the sprint race, but they can be applied to Sunday's race if, for example, it's an after-race penalty that, that needs to be um, apportioned. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the, main, the main highlights of it. It's a lot for people to digest because I think for me, looking at it, my brain's a little bit confused, right? So previously, from last year, mm -hmm. um, 
your qualifying wouldn't really happen. It would be the positioning as you would finish the sprint race. So now we have to consider, okay, fine. There's also qualifying that's happening on Friday. If you have a fantasy league, you've got to put in your predictions a little bit sooner. Um, there's less practices. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things for people to consider. Um, and I think it's also going to be quite taxing on the drivers because now there's a lot of times where they're going to be pushing the maximum. We're pushing in qualifying on Friday. We're pushing in sprint shootout for those extra points on Saturday. And then we're pushing for race on Sunday. Yeah, I suppose it is confusing. And if I'm honest, I, I think the idea of a sprint race and figuring it out in season is not good. Uh, you know, I do understand that it's a sprint race and it's a different format. And so there is going to be some teething issues. But I think perhaps Stefano Domenicali is on, on a soapbox and trying to really stamp his authority in, in perhaps not in the right way. You know, I, I think the teams have been quite, some teams have been quite vocal about, you know, let's not mess with the system too much because, you know, this is Formula One and this is the sport that that we know and we love and we and we work in. And I do think that a sprint race completely changes not just the format of the weekend for you and me, but also for the teams. You know, it's it's a slightly different logistical nightmare. And I think the mechanics are going to be more tired. As you say, the drivers are going to be more tired. And so I think, you know, I think there's there's a lot that needs to happen in terms of bedding down what a sprint race really is and, you know, how we as fans also engage with it so yeah i mean i'm sure you and i know you know we having qualifying on friday is a problem in the sense that i'm going to be sitting at my desk at the office depending on what time it is trying to watch qualifying because that's how important it is for the race on sunday and so i think it's going to mess with the tv audiences and the audiences that stream formula one because it's a slightly different schedule for everybody across the world mm. you know we we know that saturday's qualifying and sunday's race day and those are the important days and even for people attending a race, you know that I've got to get there by Saturday. You know, so now I'm going, shucks, I also have to be there on Friday. You know, it's, it's different. It's different for everybody. And I don't think Formula One has done a great job of communicating that. I mean, this, the news of this We've decided only came this out. yesterday. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I don't think they've done a great job. And I think uh, that's why I say it's poor. It's poor. Prince, we've never really gotten your opinion on this because it's the first time you're on the show. What are your thoughts on sprint races? Is it something that you like, that you don't like? Because I know for a fact that uh, Chops is a complete hater of sprint races because from a driver's perspective, it just puts too much pressure on your car. And if something does go wrong in the sprint race, then that messes up your whole race weekend. 100%. Um, look, I've always thought that Sprint races are a great concept for Formula One, but I've 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 always thought also people are a bit impatient with the concept because look, it's new. The sport is trying to evolve and adapt to a new audience, and there's a lot of room for it to improve. And one of the first things I've I always tried to defend as much as possible is that it just needs a lot more incentive. The more incentive the sprint race as a sole or standalone event has, I think the better and more competitive, <clears throat> the more competitive also it can become. And the less it affects, of course, the main race, which it seems to be doing now, the better. And I've been waiting for a point where, okay, there's a significant or relatively, you know, big improvement to the format itself that possibly could then resell the concept to people. 
But otherwise, look, the more time you're spending on screen watching Formula One, personally, the better. Um, spreading your attention on the sport across the weekend, I think, is, is a brilliant concept because Friday is, in essence, a sort of null and void. And there was there was a bit of there was some rhetoric about uh, how drivers feel that all the practice sessions are pretty much a waste of time because there's no incentive for them to be pushing that much. And it's pretty much data trying to al- align the data the teams have from what they've been working on at the factory onto the track. So it's pretty much, you know, run of the mill for them. It's not nothing really exciting. So for them to give that incentive throughout the weekend and have the drivers sort of under pressure, I think is a great thing. But of course, there's always room for improvement. It's, it's far from perfect in the sense that teams are risking a lot to be racing twice in the same weekend and the turnaround time and the demands on them for performance are that much higher. So the fact that, um, and Avon mentioned the, the fact that you, they've had a bit of an extension in terms of the power unit component allocation that they had or the limit um, being extended, I think, from three to four, something like that. That is a response to trying to improve how sprint racing can accommodate teams <laughs> with with the, the level of risk for the equipment, of course. But I also wonder how this is going to, how sprint racing rather is going to transform to adapt to the budget element of things. Because as much as you're saying you can, you're allowed to fail a lot more with your power unit components and whatnot, are, are the teams being allowed to spend a bit more? Because it's, it's going, it's pulling in two opposite directions. You're giving teams a budget cap, but you're telling them to race more as well for, for more incentive. I think that's where sprint racing is going to be tested this year because of this new format. So we'll see. We'll see how it evolves from, from Baku. This is the first major test it has. I think there are some allocations in terms of the budget um, because teams did raise it <clears throat> as, an, as an issue of concern or an area of concern. And I think they have made some allocations. I think as far as I've read, uh, Alpine is not quite happy with them because they don't feel it's enough. And I think uh, um, oh Alpha Tauri also raised some concerns about... Uh, saying kind of thanks, but it's not enough considering how much more, uh, you know, we need to bring to the table. And I think it's mainly around risk because you're not just asking drivers to drive race twice. You're also asking them to qualify twice and qualifying is a high risk business. Mm. So, you know, and I also, I think that the greater question, and this is just me. So, you know, shoot me down. And if you want to, you probably will. But, you know, <laughs> I'm always concerned when we're messing with, sport that's been running for so many years you know you you don't see soccer kind of going hey you know what let's let's spice up soccer and try and change the rules and change how the format works and and all that sort of stuff and and i don't i definitely don't disagree with you i can watch formula one all weekend including thursday and friday but i think it messes i think with the fundamentals of a sport that's kind of been built around a certain format and I think, you know, it's we have to just be careful about trying to increase the spectacle of a sport, uh, you know, to the detriment of the very people who are the stars of that sport. You know, we already have a record-breaking number of races this season. Now we want to add six more sprints to it. Uh, and then we want to give these guys a budget cap and we want to stop them from developing. It just becomes, for me anyway, it, it waters down what Formula One is. Um, but yeah, maybe a podcast for another day. But these are just <laughs> I think I understand from the business perspective because this brings in additional 
um, viewers, it brings in additional spectators, it brings in a lot from a consumer perspective, but not so much from a driver's perspective. Like, I mean, we have seen cases where changing rules and adapting things have really worked. I mean, look at IPL. It's probably one of the best ways that a sport has renewed themselves and refreshed themselves. Mm. Um, because, I mean, no one watches six days international test match in a different country every four minutes, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, it's, 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 it, it, it caters to the market where viewers and consumers are absorbing things quickly and over a longer period of time per se. Um, so I, I understand from the business perspective, Yes, I understand from a driver's perspective, yes. And I also agree from an Avon perspective, this is definitely for another podcast another day. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> really, really <laughs> my, my response, but no, let's, let's talk back. <laughs> Let us get into the nitty gritties and my favorite part of the show because, um, Prince, this is where we give you the freedom to say whatever you want, to diss whoever you want, to call people out on their predictions. Um, so, Avon, I think I'm going to start with you. Baku, it's always an exciting race. It always proves to, you know, give uh, drivers a little bit of a challenge. We've seen people in walls. We've seen tire problems. We've. It's always an exciting race. Where are your predictions going this weekend? Sure. This is going to be, yeah, completely crazy. But I think we're going to go Max. I think he's. There's no reason not to go yeah. with him. That car is perfectly suited to to Baku. Uh, and then the second place, I'm going to give to George Russell. No, oh, it gets worse, uh, Chris. Oh no. And then <laughs> uh, third place, I'm going to give to Lance Stroll. What? Jeez. It's complete gamble because I think people are going to take, they're going to take each other out. That's my, you know, I'm, 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 I'm banking on some race incidents where some big names such as Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso, are Lewis Hamilton are, you know, they're in the mix. And I think, you know, this season has to have Lewis and Fernando come together. Okay. At some stage, it has to. No, no, no. We all know this. It has to happen. Yeah, we want the drama. We want the radio calls afterwards. So maybe <laughs> this will be it. That's my prediction. Crazy, I know. Uh, Prince, oh, I just want to let you know. I just want to let you know. My record or my reputation for doing good predictions is pretty good I know. on this he's, show. His track record is amazing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although that, I think that one's the most out there okay. I've ever been. <laughs> oh, I don't, um, do you think Avon is going to be? Okay. A lot that's going to happen <laughs> between qualifying and the shootout. Do you think that between there we're going to lose some drivers or lose some cars? No, I actually don't. I, I don't think, you know, Prince was talking about incentive. I don't think the shootout, particularly now with this format, I think people are going to use it. I think nobody's going to be as aggressive. I think people are going to just bring the cars home, qualify where I can, bring the cars home. I'm interested to see how FP1 goes and then going straight into qualifying Quality. because, you know, it, it gives them less time to set their cars up. And I, perhaps Azerbaijan is not as difficult in terms of using three practice sessions to set up your car. And the weather seems to be playing ball the whole weekend. So, no, I think people are going to be conservative. The real money is going to be on Sunday. That's my prediction. Mm, all right. Prince, <laughs> let's hear it. 
<laughs> well, funny enough, I think um, I'm very much boosted by the fact that your top two, Avon, is exactly as exactly the same as mine. Uh, oh, the first is obvious, no. Max. I mean, come on, he's he's on rails, right? Um, George Russell, purely because of the, the boy, just has so much ability to to get the car where it needs to be, and he has a bit of luck on his side, I think, more than Lewis when it comes to this car for some reason. I think he's definitely got a second place in hand. But I'm shocked that everyone <laughs> went for for Lance Stroll in third place. I never I knew it was gonna be an Aston Martin. I was just not putting Lance in that Aston Martin for third place. My third place is Alonso. Uh reason being he well, one, he's Alonso. And two, I think he loves a good challenge. And I don't think they have the best car when it comes to the challenges that maybe Baku's gonna bring. Because it was just the high drag thing. Yeah. And I think he he's gonna revel in that. And he loves a good mess because Baku really has a lot of potential just to to jumble things up either at the start or during the race. There's just a whole lot of potential for drama with Baku and he he thrives in such conditions just because of the way his mind works. So I definitely see him taking third place. Definitely no shout for for Ferrari. I'm I'm seeing DNFs, <laughs> possibly even two, who knows? But I'm not seeing Ferrari oh, no. anywhere near the podiums. No. Can we talk about the Mercedes yeah. quickly and the track and how that Mercedes, I think, is going to struggle in at Baku? Why do you say that, though? Because of the downforce and their cars just given issues, and I, I don't know. I just don't see the balance happening. So I think they'll, I think they'll do well. Actually, um, you know, they, their car in in many respects suffers the same ills as that Aston Martin. They 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 have an issue with drag. Or let's just put it this way, in comparison to the Red Bull, you know, the Red Bull is a very slippery thing. And I think perhaps that's where they're going to lose out is on that that um high speed uh, um ability. But no, I think I think the car's in a good place for Baku, except for, you know, um that that home straight, which is which is where I think they may struggle, particularly particularly with um, um, DRS. But I think the car's good. I actually think the car's very good. And and considering some updates that they might bring, well, you know, they may be in a much better position. I, their only problem, I think, is just going to be down that that straight. I think another team that I keep saying this, but I really feel <laughs> they they may also cause some trouble is Alpine. Uh, they supposedly have big updates coming. And, and hopefully their teammates don't take each other out. Um, I think they may have a good race as well. But no, I think the Merck's in a good position. What was interesting for me is George Russell having a DNF, you know, because mm. of the power, power unit failure. That for me was interesting because Merck is really, really reliable or has been really, really reliable in the past. So that for me was a big worry. But um, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be hot. Okay. My turn. Yay. Just <laughs> all right i am gonna agree with you max is gonna win we we all know this um those red bulls are too quick um i do i do agree with the fact that you guys haven't put um the second red bull in there because i feel like you are right avon there is going to be a coming together of people at some stage in the beginning um i do want to put alonzo a little bit higher so i'm going to go max i'm going to go alonzo and then I'm going to go Lewis. And then Amazing. I want to put in, I'm going to put in a fourth year. And I want to hear this because we haven't spoken about this yet. I'm going to put in Lando because McLaren is bringing updates this weekend. Oh, Kriya. we got what to see where they're coming from. Yeah, we've got to see where they're coming from. You know, those are, they're, they're coming from a, a far way back. 
you know, I think Lando came, what did he get in, in Australia? He came sixth or seventh, which was amazing for what that car can do. But I think he also capitalized on the fact that those two uh, Alpines took each other out and all the carnage in that last bit. So, I, yeah, I, I'm not with you on that. Not at all. Damn it. I was hoping that you'd back me just for Lando's sake and because and, of and your prediction. I tell you my theory about, the, about Sergio. So yeah. I think Sergio was indeed the driver of the day in Australia. He, I mean, I, he was he was incredibly aggressive. He was incredibly quick. He was overtaking when nobody overtakes. I mean, he was amazing. He really was. And then, of course, to drive from last to second. I mean, we we have to we have to give him kudos for that. But I think he's going to employ that same aggression in Azerbaijan because he wants to beat Max. And I mm. think he's going to. This is why I'm saying that. I think he's going to lose it somewhere. That's just yeah. a theory. Okay. Gents, thank you very much for, for all your time today. Some very interesting pr uh, predictions. Prince, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the F1 Track This play, uh, podcast. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend at Red Star Raceway. Avon, thank you very much. I'm sure I'm going to see you at a car launch coming up very soon. I hope so. Thank you so much, Prince. It was great doing this with you. And uh, we'll chat on the next one. Enjoy the weekend of racing. Yeah, I had an absolutely fantastic time. Thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait till we review this. That'd be great to see if some of my predictions are actually on point because it was the first time getting on the stage with Avon, <laughs> who's got we'll a perfect record, apparently. <laughs> so we'll see.